So what is going on in missions today? And especially through our gifts and offerings that we give to missions here at Life Fellowship. Today on Life Talks, we're going to be giving a brief update and, and maybe a broader picture understanding of why we do missions and how we do missions. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm here with Dan. We are two of the pastors at Life Fellowship here in Cornelius, North Carolina. Dan, how are you doing today, man? Well, if you're talking about missions, I'm doing great because it's yeah, one of my favorite Dan, topics. Dan, as Dan, I'm going to use a Danism. Dan gets jazzed when we talk about missions. I do. And I so do. I'm not going to lie. We are going to. Uh, this is something that, as long as I've known you, Dan, and I've known you for 30 years, mm-hmm. missions has always been a passion of yours. And I, I'm curious, where do you think that came from? It came with my first visit to the mission field, quite frankly. In 1991 or 92, mm-hmm. I went to Albania on my very first missions trip within 30 days after the fall of communism there. It was a harrowing experience. I, uh, I mean, when I look back on it, I was only in my young 30s, and so you know, I was pretty naive and stupid. I thought this was normal. It was very dangerous <laughs> what, what we were doing. But um, you know, while I was there, I, I really realized that my world was isolated from the reality not only of believers elsewhere, but the, just the vast number of people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And, you know, you come back to America, and so there's I'm a just, church on every corner. You, so your, your first radio. missions experience was Albania. Albania, 30 days after communism fell. And Albania was the most godless atheistic country in the Soviet empire. I mean, he, L- Literally no underground church. Every other country had an underground church. Albania had none. I mean, that's so fascinating that God just literally puts you in this, like, fire right like oh yeah it was crazy and you had no idea like how dangerous or how crazy it was and and it wasn't dangerous in terms of you know speaking up for your faith it it was just like you know it's like bringing a cup of cold water to the middle of a desert and wondering where do we start Mm. um it, it, it was, you know, literally holding babies that would die a few hours later of starvation. It was, um, you know, not being able, no hotel rooms to stay in, having to stay in a house of a private citizen. Yeah. Um, helicoptering up into the mountains and villages that hadn't had um, a gospel message at all in 40 years. Th- mm. Those kind of things that, that I was doing the first few years I was in Albania. And um, so that, that kind of started it. And the other thing was making friends with national believers. Mm. So a large portion of my philosophy and the philosophy now that we've integrated into um, Life Fellowship Church and the other churches I've pastored is that we partner with nationals mm. at a deep, deep, deep level. The idea that, you know, I call it colonial missions where, you know, the American uh, raises, you know, an American style level of living and moves across the sea, spends two to four years trying to learn the language that they will speak always with a heavy accent and and not an awareness of the cultural nuances. Uh, They live in a house that's unlike the people they're ministering to because we don't live like the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. We have to have our comforts. Um, And then the average average missionary stays four years and they give up and they go back home and somebody else replaces them that they have to raise $100,000 a year for. Mm. Instead, what you do is you go into these mission fields, you meet national believers who just need partnerships, Mm. friends, training, some resources that do not create dependence, but feed opportunity. Mm -hmm. And and you trust them because they know the culture. They know the nuances of their everything from their language to how to conduct business. And you don't come in as an expert. You come in as a brother Mm. and, and you partner with them. Those have been the most enriching and successful efforts I've had over the last 30 some odd years as I've, I've worked with missions. Yeah. Now, I want I want to take a step back and ask you um, 
about that philosophy because you this was one of you the outcomes you you were on you went on a sabbatical what maybe five or six years about, ago about six years ago yeah about six years ago you went on a sabbatical and your project during your sabbatical was I want to learn or I want I want to develop a a, a holistic robust missions philosophy for life fellowship right what was it during that time like how did that come about tell me a little bit how that that philosophy was shaped and formed and what you brought to the church as a result of that yeah what i was trying to do was take the very limited groundwork that had been laid here from the beginning which was basically that they were going to fund missions with 10 percent of the income that comes in, mm-hmm. um, which I had never done. We, uh, my churches had always been where we raised the support above the tithes and mm-hmm. offerings mm-hmm. through something we call faith promise missions. So I took that, but I used that not as the end, but as a starting foundation, yeah. as a starting point. Um, the other thing is that I realized people give for different reasons. I'm, I'm what you call a, you know, a disciplined giver. So I take 10% and that's tithe. I use the money from my gross and not my net. I, I, the first check that comes out of my paycheck is automatically written. It goes to mm-hmm, the church. Mm-hmm. Very few people give that way. Mm. Um, a lot of people will, you know, put it in electronically. They write, like to write a check. They give as they're able. They do off the, the whatever's left over. You know, they give in different ways. Um, so those people need to be convinced that missions is a worthy place of investing mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and a lot of times people like to give emotionally. Mm. See, I, gi- I give out of the discipline. And yeah. I'm not saying this. Is, there's only one way to do it. I'm just, They've got to be inspired. Yeah, there's no emotion in it with me at that point. <laughs> the emotion hits me later. Yeah. So uh, the the so they, they they hear about a need and they say oh and many times they're very generous I'll give you five thousand dollars I'll give you ten thousand dollars I'll you know I'll, I'll I'll make a significant contribution that's a lot for me but it may not be a lot in general um, but they give because they have a felt need mm-hmm. uh, to, to do so and then the third thing is these partnerships these these longer term but not permanent partnerships for projects or specific initiatives. Mm -hmm. So I tried to take all of those and fold them in. But then philosophically and strategically, um, I had a friend by the name of Larry Reeser that kind of taught me a philosophy of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Mm. To look at Jerusalem being right here in in, uh, Lake Norman, uh, uh, Judea being um, the Piedmont, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and then... uh, Samaria would be the country, yeah. the United States, and then the uttermost parts of the world, the uttermost parts of the world. Yeah. So, and then strategically saying, okay, let's give a portion to this, and then to the next, and to the next, thinking in concentric yeah. circles out of where we're at. Um, so that was another way, and and then to apply that disciplined issue. So, ten percent of our budget goes to church planting. That's a, that's a set mm-hmm. uh, amount. Ten percent goes to benevolence which is to be able to meet the needs. Out of the missions. Out of the missions budget, right. Out of the regular missions budget, the 10% that comes to church. So which would be 1% of the overall. Um, And then um, taking the other three areas, the the local, national, and international, and kind of dividing those up, um, you you know, with the idea of 20, 20, 20. Mm. And then the others you use for trips and projects and and, and so forth. So, So there is that discipline, and that gives us our, again, our 
base hmm. giving amount yeah. so that I know if I've got, you know, $300,000, 30000 goes to church planting, 30000 goes to benevolence, uh, 60000 goes to international, 60000 goes to national. Hmm. So you kind of have it broken out in that way. But then again, things, opportunities come during the course of the yeah. year. And so we do a monthly missions emphasis. Mm-hmm. And I don't do this by myself. I've developed a team. So we've got a whole team of people that manages all of this. Uh, but we, you know, people say, hey, you know what, we're, we really need help in this area. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a school in India who needs to fund a project to give 100 bicycles to new graduates who are pastoring in villages. And so we say, oh, that's a great project. We pray over it. And so then we bring it to the church. We say, we need to buy 100 bicycles at $200 a piece. Mm-hmm. Let's see how many of them we can raise. And then the church just generously yeah. gives. Doesn't impact the budget, doesn't, yeah. the pre-planned, but it does impact yeah. that. The third area in which we fund missions is for those who want to do the above and beyond the 10% from their tithe. Yeah. So, you know, and I've known people that will say, I'm going to give 10% to my tithe and 10% to missions. Um, dear friend of mine who probably never made more than about $60,000 in his life. Every every week, I know he gives 10% of his income and 10% to missions. And that's mm. just how he's lived his life mm-hmm. structurally. Others may say, you know, I'll give $50 a month extra or $100 a month above my tithes and offerings. Those monies are then pooled to our above and beyond fund. The above and beyond fund are for these emergencies or big projects. For mm. instance, out of above and beyond, we gave about $10,000 to Ukrainian relief. Mm. Um, Another time we translated uh, an edition of the Bible into an obscure um, Burmese language Mm -hmm. and we gave the money to be able to do that. Mm. So these are the big projects that come along and again the missions team kind of analyzes, prays over them, prioritizes them. And any money that's left over out of the budget each year, for instance, let's say we were going to spend 60,000 on national, but we only spent 50. So we got 10,000 left that goes into that, but it has to be spent that calendar year. So we don't keep money and accrue money. We believe that the elders have directed us that we spend it every year. Yeah, that's great. So um, with the remaining time we have left, I would love just to hear from you to walk us through some of the things that we have done over the past. I mean, it's twenty. Where it's December twenty twenty two. As you look back on on the things that you were we were able to do as a church with the missions offerings, what are what are some of the projects? What are some of the people? What are some of the things that we were able to do to just advance the gospel message across the world? Yeah, there's been so many, and I'm literally I don't even have a list in front of me. These are off the top of my head, yeah. but. Um, th- th- We've been doing some initiatives of church planting in India. India, yeah. India is the black hole of missions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's got you know the largest population, one point basically one point two five billion people. All right. To, to give you an idea, in the United States, we have about three hundred and fifty three hundred sixty million. Mm. So it's it's almost to the point where you know nine hundred thousand. I'm sorry, nine hundred million more people live in India, mm. which would be like the southeast quadrant of our country, mm. um, and and increase the population by four times and jam them all in. It's there. Crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and about, you know, one to two percent are would Christian. be real Christians. Yeah. So and, in, uh, and some are like in the south is a little bit more heavier concentrated in the north. It's, it's like it's very difficult. Very, yeah. So but there's a lot. And, and there's a, quite frankly, there's a lot of graft and and um, um, 
conniving and so forth because mm. Americans are rich and all you got to do is play like a Christian and you'll get millions of dollars. Mm. So you have to be really careful when you're investing in India because mm. there's a lot of professional shysters. I got burned by one about 20 years ago. Really? So, um, you know, we have to be really, you have to, uh, India is a difficult country to visit, but it's one that I insist on visiting before we make large investments. Because you want to see I it. I need with to your meet own the eyes. people. Yeah. And even then, you have to be really careful because I've been snookered before. Wow. So, but what we did was we made a commitment in the southeastern portion of India that we were going to train, um, you know, uh, 500 pastors. Um, and it cost $300 a piece to be mm. able to plant house churches. Mm -hmm. And that was going to cost uh, in the neighborhood of $100,000, um, $150,000. Mm -hmm. We have just completed that investment. Wow. And so now these, mm. these pastors are going out all across southeast India. And I'm actually going to be visiting some of them wow. uh, in March. So from there, and we did that with the Timothy Initiative. There's another group that we've been working with. Um, it's called Hope for Asia. And it's based out of Charlotte. So we went up to the upper portion of India uh, into a state called Andhra Pradesh, where there's about 230 million people in an area that roughly be geographically smaller than Florida. And, wow. <laughs> and, and, and so, and this is a place where high caste Indians live. A lot of the politicians that run the country come out of this state. Huh. And so there's a former Air Force colonel that's there uh, who, uh, from the Indian Army, who's retired. He's a believer, and he has got an amazing vision and strategy for training pastors. So we've committed 50000 to that project. We gave our first 25000 to mm -hmm. that project mm -hmm. in July. I think it was July. I was in the hospital when we gave the check. <laughs> you were here. I was, I was here, I yeah. Was in the hospital. Yeah. So we gave that first $25,000. we have got the other twenty five set aside, and we will give that shortly. Mm. So I'm going to go back in March, and now we're looking at the central area of southern India at another initiative they're, they're wanting us to prayerfully consider. So I'll go back down there. So in other words, it's kind of like planes taking off of an airport. We've made a commitment to India. Now what we're doing is we're loading the planes. Yeah. So we've got one that's up and running. <clears throat> we've got one that's just getting ready to leave the, the, yeah. the uh, uh, airstrip. And we've got another one that we're loading up to be able to move out onto the runway. That's so amazing. And when you think about, I mean, I love what some of the things that you mentioned, the, the, the Timothy Initiative, putting a church in every village. I mean, yeah. that's just, it's encouraging to know that we are part of something that is getting the gospel to play, to, to villages and to people that have never heard the gospel before. Yeah, that's and it's, unbelievable. And it's really key because, you know, a lot of times we think, well, it's not really a church if it doesn't have a building with a steeple and a bell. Yeah, yeah, and, and the reality is you build that in northern India, they'll burn it down and they'll kill the pastor in the street. I mean, literally, that's what will happen. Yeah. The way you're going to reach those communities is by having them under a tree, having them in a home or building a small wedding hall that's a business by day and a church by night, mm. things like this. Mm. So you have to be super yeah. creative. Yeah. You can't think thousands. You have to think 20s and 30s and rapid multiplication. Yes. Yeah. So so that's just India. Um, then I took another trip to Africa. The Lord really kind of opened my heart and the door for that, and I went mm. there with one of our elders. Um, we visited Uganda. We, we raised um, somewhere around $30,000 for a project in Uganda uh, where it's helping kids that were in sex slavery for the girls and for the boys. They were boy soldiers. Wow. Many of them had been introduced to drugs, became addicted, then mm. handed a gun and told to go murder people. Mm. That's literally what happened. So these kids, um, they get, they have to apply. They come off the street. Uh, they get intensive therapy to help them get over the trauma. It's called trauma therapy. It takes about six weeks to get through mm -hmm. 
that just so you can communicate with them well. They're introduced to the gospel. If they receive Christ, there's about a six-month process whereby they're being discipled. At the end of that six months, if they've indicated this is a true conversion and given evidence of that fruit, then they're baptized. So mm. I baptized a hundred of them when I was there. Wow. Uh, Bob and I did. And then from there, then they take the next 18 months and train them with a skill hmm. so that they can earn a living and raise themselves because most of them are orphaned or abandoned. Yeah. So, And these are kids ranging in age from about 12 to 20. Wow. And uh, it's an amazing ministry. Um, I, you know, I talked to them. I, I met with them. I watched them. I observed them. Um, and, and so we gave, you know, between us and a private donor, we gave about $50,000 wow. toward that specific project. Praise and I God. think it's wonderful. So then we went down to South Africa, um, and I met a guy by the name of Shepard Govert, uh, who is Zimbabwean. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, every once in a while you just meet somebody, and it's like, wow, you're like my brother. Yeah. Uh, so this, this uh, Zimbabwean... Um, uh, Shepherd and I were talking, and you sharing me a story. Zimbabwe used to be Rhodesia. Rhodesia was the breadbasket of Africa. Um, they raised the food for most of the rest of the continent. Then they had a tyrant. Af- after they got rid of colonial rule, they managed to have a peaceful coexistence between the white property owners and the, and the black citizens. But then they had a radical become president, and he basically had most of the white farmers murdered or chased out of the country. Uh, saying that they had stolen the land, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago. And I'm not getting into the politics of colonialism, but I'm just, this is the reality. Right, right. Um, and what happened was, yeah, they killed all the white farmers, and, and then massive unemployment, the warm, uh, the um, farms went fallow. Uh, now they're jungle again, and people are starving to death all over Zimbabwe. Mm. Um, so this guy's a believer, and he's putting Bible studies and discipleship in, in all the little country villages. Mm. Some places don't even have electricity. And um, <clears throat> so he had been working with uh, our, our church, and uh, we literally just sent 50 of their pastors and their wives uh, to South Africa for training. Mm. Uh, this last Monday, I sent uh, $5,000 over to buy the first round of books. Mm. So they've got these discipleship books that were written um, by Bruce Wilkinson, and, and it takes them six months to go through that, and then they get to graduate, and then there's another book and another book after that. Um, and 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 they literally got waiting lists for people to join wow. these. Wow. So that's another one we're doing. We're doing some work in Cuba, mm-hmm. um, and it's, this is a work that I started and brought in uh, some twenty some odd years ago. And it's largely funded. I largely funded outside of Life Fellowship, but every once in a while, Life Fellowship Give partners some, with a yeah. project. Um, but we, you know, we're planting house churches all over mm-hmm. uh, Cuba. Cuba is in such dire straits right now that people are literally starving. Mm. Uh, massive evacuation to other countries, larger than any point since the revolution. People are leaving Cuba. There's just hopelessness there. But the gospel is really taking root. So we're doing that. Um, we, we also do some things like this, Ben, and I think it's important. Like some of our kids like to take a year of a gap year for mm-hmm. missions. So whenever they do that, they go on a world race or they go on YWAM or one of these things, the church partners with them. We don't give them the whole amount, but we will give them a nice chunk to get mm, them started. That's great. Because sometimes the Lord calls people into missions that's right. from, from that experience. Yeah. And we believe that's making an investment in our in our future young people. Um, so we do things like that. We're doing things here in town. We do things, uh, there's a Ukrainian group here in town that is 
doing some work feeding people in Ukraine, but they're gospel oriented. Mm-hmm. So we've given them money. We work with the Neighborhood Community uh, Center with uh, Manny Rosado here in Lake Norman. Uh, we've helped some immigrants come in here. We've got people in our church volunteering, like Jane Porter goes over mm-hmm. and teaches English. Right. But beyond that, she makes relationships with them, t- gives them you know the gospel, the difference that Christ makes, and then helps them find jobs, helps mm-hmm. them get integrated into the community. That's We're doing awesome. things with Charlotte Rescue Mission. We're doing things with multiple crisis pregnancy centers. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally, it would take me you know hours to go through all the individual mm. things we're doing. But within our budget, we support, indiv- uh, for instance, we just ordained on Saturday. You and I were yeah. a part of the ordination of a guy that used to be in your youth department. Yep. His Ryan parents Fisher. used to attend Life Fellowship. Um, but uh, he moved to Bulgaria to do business as missions, mm-hmm. um, but then got called a pastor. Yeah, there, he just could not find a a, a church that that had some of the similar similar values yeah. that you and I would have, yeah. right? So he decided to, he decided to plant his own church. He calls <laughs> it Life Fellowship, and we ordained him to gospel ministry yep. on on Saturday. It was a huge blessing. So we've got those kind of stories. Mm. We've got people like Sam and Laura Hatfield. Sam yeah. grew up here, and now he's working on staff at a gap year program that's a torch bi- biblical yeah. discipleship, yep. a torchbearers camp out in Timberline, mm. uh, Colorado. So every month we send a check that helps them mm. to just get by. Yeah. Um, we, we make investments in projects. Um, we we uh, send people on trips. Uh, our German um, our, our uh, choir. choir is going to Germany yeah. later this year. Uh, we had a trip uh, scheduled for Kenya, and it's already filled up. We've got, wow, I think, twelve great. people from Life Fellowship. They're going to be going to eight, eight or twelve yeah. uh, that are going to be going to that. We're planning another trip, uh, probably to Central America, and we mm. hope to announce that right after the first of the year. So we're now that COVID's gone, we're starting to increase the number of That's trips great. that we've got going out. You've talked about a possibility of taking a trip yeah. over to Europe, um, and I'm, you know, I'm looking to do that myself. A lot of places I go are too dangerous to take people, because, <laughs> and I'm. I don't don't be impressed by that. It's just the nature of what I'm asked to do. Um, but it, it wouldn't be comfortable for right, a lot of people to totally. go. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, but we're looking for those kinds of opportunities, not because you're going to change the world on your missions trip, but because the missions trip is going to change you. That's good. And that's why I we love want that. people to go. I love that. Well, l- listen, I, I know that you just that went by so fast. It went by dude. so fast, man. <laughs> and and I, the reason why I want to do this is because, man, I love hearing that kind of stuff. And a lot of times we don't have time on a Sunday morning. Yeah to hear all the things that God is doing. But, but man, I want, if you're listening to this, you're part of Life Fellowship, I want you to be so encouraged. I want you to understand that when you give that that money, uh, you know, whether it's in the box or, or digitally send it to us, it is going to missions and to projects around the world. Yeah, and let me just add that. You know, you've got five or $10,000, and you're saying, well, we're going to do a charitable contribution. Should we do the Salvation Army? Should we do, you know, uh, Red Cross or whatever? Do something through your local church, whether That's you're right. from Life Fellowship or from some That's other right. church. 100%. Because it's closer to accountability. When you give a dollar to Life Fellowship, one dollar, not one dime less than one dollar, goes to the project. I, I don't get part of my pay out of that. Yeah. I, you know, it, it all goes into missions. So it's really a great opportunity. Plus, we'll help you track it. We'll let you know where it That's went right. and how, how the Lord used it. That's right. Well, I hope this has been an encouragement to you as you listen to this today, and uh, just just continue to pray that that the support that we send across the world will continue to make disciples, and that the name of Jesus would be made known in places where He has not been named. 
And uh, may, may we just see God do a movement across, across this world. Um, thank you so much for joining us today on Life Talks. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.